Hey, real quick, a quick word of thanks to today's sponsor, Vertex Innovations, before we get started. For over 17 years, Vertex has been building the nation's wireless and broadband networks. Providing project management, network engineering, and construction oversight are just some of the ways Vertex helps their clients. So if you're looking for more of a partner to help you with your wireless network designs, construction, implementation, or operations, reach out to Vertex. You can find them at vertex-us.com. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-U-S.com. Welcome to the 5G Guys Podcast, the premier resource for industry insiders and newcomers alike to explore anything and everything wireless telecommunication. We discuss, explain, and explore all things wireless technology. So let's dive right in. Welcome your host, Dan McVaugh and Wayne Smith. Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of the 5G Guys. I'm Wayne Smith and I'm and I'm joined, as always, by Dan McBall. Hey, what's up, Wayne? Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, hey, before we dive into another episode, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Um, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button, rate us, um, go to 5gguys.com to in- engage more with us. We really appreciate it. Hey, listen, today our guest is longtime friend and entrepreneur Bill Douglas, CEO of OptiQuise. Bill's a lifetime entrepreneur, having started and transactioned multiple businesses. He's been named on numerous recognition lists, including Inc. for his accomplishments. He's also earned the nickname Resilience Guy as a result of surviving two near-death experiences, as well as overcoming a major medical diagnosis. As the uh, CEO of OpticWise, Bill leads his team in designing and implementing leading-edge prop tech solutions for the commercial real estate industry. OpticWise combines SaaS, hardware, and services to help commercial property owners and operators improve tenant retention as well as leverage broadband and create more revenue for their business. So, uh, Bill, hey, thanks for joining us. Great to have you. Thank you, gentlemen. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, I'm super interested in you and and OpticWise. Tell us more about the name OpticWise as it relates to what you do and also explain what PropTech is. Oh, gosh. OpticWise, the name. I joined OpticWise five and a half years ago when they already had the name. Uh, Drew Hall started the company doing basically managed Wi-Fi for student housing, and he wanted to leverage fiber optic into these buildings. So I think that's where the, the name came from. And when I joined, we sold all those contracts off. We got out of that industry entirely and just focused on multi-tenant commercial real estate. So we only do apartments and office buildings. So a prop tech is property technology. It's also called commercial real estate tech. It's Cree tech. You know, anything tech loves acronyms. So prop tech and Cree tech are new. new. And when I joined the company, prop tech as an industry didn't exist. And in the past two years, even before the pandemic, it got hot. It's sexy to be prop tech or Cree tech now. So there's there's a lot of chasers and we weren't even trying to be there, but we're squarely in the middle of it. So how do you leverage the technology in your commercial property to either serve the tenant banner or make more money. Both of them making more money, but we focus on driving the NOI. So that's the background of PropTech, but it could be everything from a leasing agent getting to do video showings to prospective tenants on the internet to the way that your ticket system, like if you, if you're renting a property and you have a water leak, that ticket, you call the main desk, you can now do it from your phone and they could do a ticket and the management guy comes by and fixes it. 
that's prop tech as well as the other end of it. Like, how do I get all of my building systems to work together to reduce emissions, to reduce the expense that's shared by all the tenants in the building? So there's a plethora of services and products in between. But everybody's chasing the word prop tech because it's a big market. Commercial real estate is the largest industry in America as far as asset class goes. Not income, but asset class. Oh, wow. Wow, that's that. I guess I didn't realize that it was the largest. I guess I would have guessed, you know, Amazon or something, right? So it's that that alone's an interesting learning. Well, I, I bet enterprise value is intriguing for Amazon, but if you look at all the buildings, drive anywhere, any building that's for rent, mm-hmm. that's a lot. That's a lot of assets. Yeah, it's not owned by. I mean, REITs own it, and they there's no REIT out there that has more than a couple percentage points of the market, and those are the massive ones. Yeah, yeah, CBRE and the like. Yeah. Uh, those are brokerage houses. Okay. So they deal in transactions and represent either the owners or the tenant in leasing transactions or buying and selling the building. So the whole game is to drive the income higher and then the building's worth more. So you can trade it up. Okay. So, so optic wise, historically, before you were there, it was all about lighting up buildings with fiber. Is that still an important part of like the beginning of optic wise's strategy and how they can help the the owner or the manager who just invested in lighting up their building, monetize it more? Is that kind of the foundation that everything builds on? It is, but let me go a, a bit more into that by lighting it up. You know, an ISP brings a fiber cable, whatever, because you can do a lot with cable now. We can do a lot with rooftop that we couldn't do just five years ago. Bring that into the main point of entry, the NPOE in the building. That's the last mile. So those are table stakes. Obviously we have to, enable our clients to buy those services better. We have wholesale agreements with all the carriers. We don't try to present ourselves as an internet provider, but once it's in the main point of entry, how do you distribute it to the tenants? That's the last inch. The last inch is should be over a system that the building owns and their tenants use, as opposed to the tenants trying to build their own network from the MPOE all the way to their rented space. So yes, it, it, we say broadband, we have to have broadband, but maybe there's a fiber primary and a cable backup because as you know, they all go down once a year. Could be switch maintenance or whatever, but if you've only got one circuit, it, it reduces your resilience. So I, this is not about the internet. This is about distribution of connectivity throughout your entire property in a seamless, secure way that's completely private for your tenants and using that to drive down your costs and increase your revenues. If you're the owner, if you're a tenant, you get to go anywhere and be on your own secure network. That's the last inch. So think of it piercing the commercial real estate property bubble with the fiber, for instance, the internet broadband, and then letting everybody access that from anywhere they want, not just from their apartment, not just from their office, anywhere, and still be on their own private network. So without what you guys are doing, I take it, customers or, or tenants basically were self-fulfilling their needs. They're buying their own Linksys router. They're ordering their own service for internet from Comcast or whoever their local phone company is. They're, they're just, it's just a, a mess, I'm guessing. And so you guys come in, you, you make a holistic solution, you clean that up, you create consistency. What, what is it? What's the technology you guys are using to do that? We have a three-pronged approach to give our clients the position and income and control they need for their building. But you just touched on digital infrastructure management. So, yes, when we come in, we typically see if it's a retrofit, say it's a commercial office building, 15 floors, 20,000 square foot plates, 
300,000 foot building, right? Whatever the math comes out to. There's at least 15 internet connections, probably more like 20. And then there's wired and wireless networks all over the building. And you guys are the 5G guys. You know how much the radio frequency battles go on. And this is unlicensed spectrum just for Wi-Fi. So I might be having a nice strong signal on my floor and I'm completely messing with the guy above me or below me. And I can't go anywhere. If I go outside that network, my employees have to get on a VPN or jump on the guest Wi-Fi and both of the, the former of which is slow and the latter of which is really unsecured. Yeah. So, or, or they have to get on their cellular connection, right? Which their company may may or may not be providing for them, right? The CIOs and CISOs typically don't like that you know, unless they have a private LTE in the building, but that's for enterprise. We're talking specifically about multi-tenant commercial real estate. Got it. So for the purposes of this conversation, we can just focus on a multi-tenant office building. I won't even talk about apartments, but when you leave your office space and go down to the coffee shop or go to the 15th floor because they've got a, a cool lounge or you step outside or even better across the street, well, what happens to your network connection? It's gone. Now, if you go to the coffee shop, you might get hacked. Like the CISO wants her employees to remain inside of their firewall, inside of their private network, and they manage through rules-based access controls. They manage those employees no matter where they are on the property. So we, they can still bring their own internet and they should bring their own firewall, but it's inside of one hardened carrier-grade network in the building that they still have their network. So they extend the network that they could build throughout the entire property. Like you can go to the second floor, maybe they're seeing a client, maybe they're seeing their attorney and they're still on their network. Remember their office is on the 10th floor. They go to the coffee shop and they're still on their network. I could be sitting right next to you, Dan, and right next to you, Wayne, and all three of us are on our own networks, even though we're two feet apart. You can't see me, I can't see you. I am, and then if I leave or get fired, you just log in and they're out. They can't even get on the network anymore. It's just like locking them out in the files. You know, they can integrate with single sign-on or Azure Directory. All of those access control systems, virtual access control systems, can be applied to the physical network in a building. It's it's interesting, uh, Bill. That so now what you're saying is the the property owners have to look at their models a little different to say, you know, instead of instead of the client bringing in their own just internet, they need to provide the overall secure environment for them to operate within the, not only in their office suite, but within the building itself so that they can serve property owner, the businesses, which is their clients better. Is that where you're getting to with this? You know, exactly. They serve them more securely, but it reduces the expenses because the property owner can invest in that infrastructure. And in doing so, it removes multiple layers of construction in a building, but multiple internet connections. So if you streamline that internet supply chain, there's money left. And what we do is, is share that money with the owner and the tenant. So the owner makes some and the tenant saves some, and they get to go anywhere on there. We have a, a user experience we call 5S, but it's a seamless mobility experience. It's completely secure. So they can manage all of their employees anywhere in the building and they don't have to build out that network. So if they move floors, if they expand, it's a matter of logging in and adding employees. The network, the physical network, wired or wireless, because everybody says you do Wi-Fi. Well, that's one piece of it. It all ends up back on a wire. It comes down to the core network. 
So they, you don't have to build all of that. It takes your CapEx out of your TI. It's already there. And then you can hang your, there's data center services in the building. So you can hang your server and your firewall there and integrate it to the platform. And you can put your own rules in. Like the firewall that's on the properties we manage is not going to block out YouTube and Facebook because we don't really know what people want. But if you're an employer, maybe you don't want them on YouTube that day. And you can put that in your firewall and you can manage them. You know, if zero day attacks are your biggest concern or you need single sign on or identity management, you can manage all of those inside of this and just extend it throughout the property. And it's fully compliant with all the international rec- regulations, too. So if so, let's let's spend you, you, you kind of uh, helped us focus the conversation so far on commercial real estate. But let's say I'm a tenant of an apartment complex. Let's shift the conversation to the perspective of, OK, I'm a tenant. What's my experience as a tenant going to be different in a, a building you guys have helped with versus traditional apartment complex? First of all, apartments are commercial real estate. It's just they call it multi-dwelling instead of multi-tenant. So it is there is an owner that's making cash from a building from tenants. The tenants are just a different mix. So if I'm going to go rent from a building and our, our owners position it as theirs, uh, we enable it, but we encourage them to brand this as theirs, their 5S experience. Uh, I, first of all, the moment I sign my lease, my internet, remember in the apartments, they just like to call it internet. My internet is active the second I sign my lease. I don't have to buy a router. I don't have to wait for the cable guy. I don't have to be around in three days when somebody's going to come install something in my apartment. I'm not even moved in yet. And I could log into anything from anywhere. Like it could be a dumb device. We call a dumb device, anything that doesn't have a lot, like an user identification login that just needs a PSK, or it could be a smart device like your phone or your tablet. So it's, it's fired up right away. You get gig speeds anywhere on the property. I mean, I'm talking about at the pool, the dog park, you know, my friend's apartment, I'm still on my network and I manage everybody I want on my network and all my devices, my printer, my smart thermostat, my locks, all of that. I manage them. Not anybody else. So I right it away, it saved me money because either it's included in the rent or I'm paying a few dollars more. It's always less than I could get internet on my own. I don't have to do anything and it's fully up and running right away. So I virtually have my own private wireless Wi-Fi network without having to invest in and take care of my own private wireless network as a tenant. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you carry your TV hanging on the wall stream anything you want. Nobody's holding you hostage. Your landlord is no longer determining what content stream you have. Yeah. If you want a game, you fire up your game. Like hang a TV, whatever, your Sonos. Those are all the residential type IOT devices we see because mm-hmm. they're, they call them smart TVs. They're not smart. They, they still need a PSK. So we have a process that puts an IOT device inside and puts it in quarantine until you recognize it as your device and then approve it in. And then I could take my printer and walk down to your apartment and you still couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. It's in my network. So network to us is completely separate from the physical network that's in the grounds. Right. So for those listening that don't know what PSK is, basically it's your password to your network, right? Pre-shared key. Yes. Yeah. It's the old way of doing it where you just have a password and it's the same password for any device. It's really not secure. But it's better than nothing. It's better than open. Right, right. 
Got it. So, so, you know, for Wayne and I, you know, spending the bulk of our career in the kind of the cellular industry, if you will, we're very familiar with the challenges that buildings present to a wireless network, especially now with 4G and even worse with 5G technology. Like it's amazing, but it doesn't penetrate these buildings well. And so, you know, we've spent a ton of our careers, you know, Wayne, you guys are super active right now deploying 5G private networks inside of buildings and venues to try to fill that gap. So from your perspective, Bill, coming from the, the perspective of what OpticWise is doing, how do you how do you see the problems we're so familiar with with buildings converging with the problems you're familiar with in the near or far future? We see a short-term demand for clients, and to us, the client is the property owner. Clients wanting to put in our solution because of Wi-Fi calling. They have dead zones in their building, and to install this network is less expensive than a, a DAS system. But I do see the industry needing to converge in the next, I used to say five years, I think it'll be quicker than that, to where the provider of the platform in a property, whatever the platform is, you can define it, whether cellular leads it or, or Wi-Fi leads it or the user experience leads it, they those converge. There is no reason for our platform not to handle the private LTE or public L, uh, public cellular experience inside of the property, particularly in commercial office buildings where a tenant might actually want to pay for their own LTE, you know, their own private 5G and extend that. Those are the, the more lucrative tenants, the smaller ones that don't want to pay outright for it. This fee that is applied to triple net or CAM and commercial office buildings. So to increase it so that I can actually leave and be on my cell phone call, my true cell phone call would be an upgrade. But to think about having to have, well, right now, any enterprise CISO, CTO has to deal with it. Like I have a, I have a Wi-Fi system, I have a, a hardwired network, and I have a cellular network. Maybe they don't have a cellular network, but they have users trying to use the cellular. That's often why they opt them out. But why hasn't the industry converged to let us do that. And I've been trying to push this way for two years. You know who I've been pushing with because we have these conversations sometimes. And the cellular side, just the the big difference to me is they like to put in a system and then sit back and have it be passive income for 10 years. And I don't mean the carriers. I'm talking about the in-building providers. Mm -hmm. They have to connect to the carriers, obviously. So I'm talking about the, the whole industry that is the in-building cellular carriers. And what we have to do when we put it in is high touch. Like we have to take care of the tenants. Otherwise nobody uses it. Otherwise the, our client, the one that's actually paying us every month is not happy and we don't like unhappy clients. So we have a high touch environment and, and make all kinds of user experience investments, whether it be through marketing, through customer service or through actual software, because we have our own SaaS platform. So we have to continue to invest, but why haven't they converged? I think it's mainly because there's a lot of existing contracts out there. They don't want to, they don't want to upset the apple cart because it's a gravy train. Hey, Bill. So here, you brought up a good point. I think it's good for listeners to understand. In most environments like that, you identified you have three different types of networks: Wi-Fi, hardwire, and then cellular. In in most building environments, but isn't it also true that only one optimal place? for the network to be built in each building. And like the prior days that we noticed in a lot of commercial real estate buildings that we built DAS or in building systems into, 
there might be three systems competing for the same real estate for your antennas and stuff. So speak a little bit. About, is that what you mean by convergence? There's going to come a day when there's going to be one single network that offers all three of those technologies. Well, I, I like to talk about the old way and the new way in real estate. Yeah. I mean, a joke about the commercial real estate industry is old mail and stale. They are typically <laughs> afraid of anything new. Our clients are either females or they're guys under 43. Uh, it's, it's an interesting break. Mm. Uh, like we could study our clients. There's the, you know, the ones that think forward fit in those two categories. But if you, you know, you take a typical guy that's been, or his family's been in real estate for a while that it, it's making a lot of money. Why change? It's not that they don't want to learn, but they don't like the risk. They have an asset. Why risk? So we have to flip it around. But in, in a building, if you have 15 tenants, let's go back to that 15 floor building. There's 15 Wi-Fi's. They're all fighting for airspace. Just like you talked about three carriers fighting for airspace. That's the old way. And we come in, especially in a new build, but we can actually retrofit it too. put in one network with three SSIDs in the air, not one for every client. That's we're digging a little into the weeds, not one for every tenant with three SSIDs in the air, one in running one mesh network. That's down downplaying it really mesh. Why can't we do that with a cellular as well? Like why doesn't IEEE start thinking about, or the manufacturers of the access points or the DAS antennas think about making them one device right. manageable from one platform. There's a lot of this is hardware driven. We have to wait until things are approved. Like we can only use, we don't have our own brand of hardware. We use off the shelf, three major leading manufacturers hardware. Like we're not, into making hardware, we're into making money and for our clients and making a user experience stellar. Right. So why haven't they converged? Well, yeah. I mean, you know who those manufacturers are. Yeah. Late breaking news, Bill. This just this week, Qualcomm had a press release. They just came out with a product line of six devices that all have Wi-Fi six and five G coexisting on the same platform to enable users of CBRS that have their own private network that want to take control to deploy well, a single network that does all of those things. So, well, there you go. I, I, uh, I knew that that was coming because there's a gentleman on our advisory board. That's an advisor to Qualcomm. And we've been, he's been listening to me vent about this for 18 months. Not that that had anything to do with it, but he told me to be patient. There was an announcement and he couldn't tell me about it. And that was the announcement. I think it was yeah. either yesterday or the day before that, that press release came out. So there you yeah. go. There you go. And yeah. I sent him a text right away and said, this is the one, right? And he said, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and for, for posterity's sake, here we are on June 9th of 2021. So when we listen to this in a year, we'll see how it changed, right? Yeah. Well, I, I like Qualcomm's approach because they're trying to be carrier neutral and they're trying to make it to where like an access point could still be used. Like I like the idea of open. We try to be open. Like we can integrate with multiple hardware providers. We're not, but we are ha- hardware agnostic. We are internet agnostic. I'd like to be the same way with the cellular too. Yeah. Well, and I think what we're all touching on here is the fact that what's really changed over the last couple of years is for for the longest time, as consumers, whether it be commercial consumers, enterprise consumers, we've been captive to the cellular providers. And that's been fine for the longest time. That works that has worked out really well and it still works really well for a lot of people. But what we've seen change over the last five to ten years was the shift towards users wanting to take control of their experience, take control of the technology, because the technology has become, as we all have talked about, the fourth utility, right? So 
just like you want to be able to take control of your TV experience or your utility experience, if you have options, the same thing's happening now. And the FCC has enabled that through spectrum policy. The, the infrastructure manufacturers are enabling that through new products. And so I think that's what we're really experiencing. And it, it feels like optic wise, you guys are right in the middle of enabling that shift. Well, thanks for the compliment. But we've been trying without having the ability to get into a cellular. We've been trying through the paying customer. Every corporate entity is buying umpteen millions of dollars every year in cellular connections. So every time I get an audience with a C-level person, I ask them to bring it up with their carrier. We don't have that influence, but they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have 10,000 employees, you have enough influence to get heard somewhere at one of the carriers. Right, right. So. Yeah, the user experience is the biggest difference. Like, we don't have good support. As consumers of cellular, we don't have good support. You can chat and expect an hour answer in a half hour. You can go search the web and look for an answer. But to expect a real user experience is where I'd like to lift the industry. I think all my competitors would agree. We could all jump in and lift the industry. Rising tides lift all boats. But a lot of tenants feel stuck relative to technology. So we're trying to make it shift to where they feel served. That's really hard to do in the cellular industry. Yeah. So if we could, we, we put brand, branded services for the owner and managed Wi-Fi as a branded service, data center services, voice. I mean, there's a whole slew of them that are not just wireless like we're talking about. But if we could add in building cellular to it, I, I do think it would benefit all parties, yeah. including the carriers. That's not like they would lose out, but you're not going to build multiple networks for cellular inside of a building with our solution where you're going to have to otherwise. Well, and, and you know, the other thing that we've been talking about on this show is a lot of people ask about what 5G is going to do for them. We talked about this on a previous episode. If, if you haven't listened to it, listen to our episode with Patrick Perini on the differences between 4G and 5G. But what we tell a lot of people is when they ask what 5G is going to do for us, we say, as a consumer, you may not really notice a huge difference directly on your cell phone, right? It's fast as fast, and you're not going to notice the, fat, the, the faster service, the lower latency. But you're going to notice the world around you change. You're going to notice smart cities where, you know, everything is just more coordinated. It's, it's just cleaner. Everything becomes more efficient, you know. Autonomous vehicles are driving three inches apart from each other. All of these things are going to be enabled by 5G. In your world, with what you guys have branded as the building of things, right? We have Internet of Things. Tell us a little bit more about how what what you guys are doing with the building of things that's creating an environment that maybe the tenant doesn't directly understand or see the benefit of, but it is benefiting the building as a whole. Well, Smart Cities has been popular for Sometime now, a couple of years, and 5G is definitely enabling that. But inside of a privately held or corporately held commercial real estate cash flowing asset, we came up with the building of things because we were constantly helping and we put in this network, right? And we managed the digital infrastructure there. We were constantly focused on reducing operating expenses. The government's about to start fining commercial real estate heavily if they have high emissions, like if they're not efficient very efficient on utilities, for instance. So we saw that coming two years ago and we started focusing on how do I manage my HVAC, my building access controls, my building automation system, my video security, my, my physical access controls, et cetera, et cetera. It's right down to conference room management. And 
we trademark the building of things because it's a strategy. We're not selling any hardware to do it. It's a, it's a way to leverage the plethora, like to take a spaghetti diagram, a mess of things and get them to work together. Most of it revolves around where is the data? Who owns the device? Because whoever owns the device in the network owns the data. And most of the time in commercial real estate, there is, uh, even if you, even if you own it, most of your data is leaving. I'm not trying to spell doom and gloom to people. It's the vendor that you hired to take it. Say your video security, for instance, it's probably secure on their site, but you can't use it. You can't tie that video security together with your access control system where somebody waves a badge and they have a timestamp of the camera of them walking in as well. It wasn't my badge. You didn't get stolen that day. I have a picture of you entering the place. So it may seem simple, but how come I can't use my occupancy sensors and my lighting controls to drive my building automation system to reduce my utilities? I mean, all the tenants are paying for the utilities, but if it's inefficient, I'm going to have to pay a lot more. The government's going to make me pay, not my tenants. So there's a financial driver there. So the building of things is a strategy to leverage what you own in the building. And if you don't own it, at least to protect yourself from it. And so, so we hear a lot in the Internet of Things is that there's these, you know, billions of devices, sensors, appliances that are going to be leveraging 5G to be interconnected and allow smart cities and, and smart world. And so it sounds like those same devices could just leverage the same network that OpticWise is deploying in the same way. It's just it's just that, like you said, it's just a different last inch. It's the last inch. And do I want to keep the data in my premises? backed up to my own cloud or do I want to let the providers do it and try to put it back together? Mm -hmm. So how efficient do you want to be? How much do you want to leverage your data? And I keep pointing out is your data. If you're not using it, your competitors are, they're probably more advantageous. If I know rent is rent, but when you go in a, to rent a commercial office space, there's triple net, there's cams, maybe one or the other or both. If you're a dollar higher in CAM, your tenant's going to know it by the time they get your lease proposal. They're going to audit your last three years of expenses. They want to see next year's budget so they don't get surprised. We're talking about affecting the what the tenant actually feels in paying you rent. If you leverage the building of things, you can probably have less people operating the same amount of space and your tenant won't know it. You can leverage systems that you already own, but you're not utilizing or not deploying and maximizing the value of that data. So is that, is that the goal of OpticWise is to capture all of that data from all of these different providers? Because, I mean, it totally makes sense. You hire somebody, they bring in their security card access or HVAC guy. Are you, is that, is that your, your ultimate goal is in the building of things is to have a central hub for those property owners to maximize that? to the future. Wayne, it's the goal, but I want to differentiate and say, we're not collecting the data. Our, at the core, our company is completely about privacy. We don't collect, distribute, or monetize any data. If you or client want to collect data from occupancy sensors, like we don't geofence with Bluetooth. I don't believe in it. Like we don't collect user data. All we can see is that somebody was logged in from this time to this time, because we have to for network performance, but we don't collect it. 
if a tenant wants to collect it on their employees, that's their right. You know, as long as their employees know about it, if a building owner wants to collect data, yes, we will help them build the data warehouse, but it's not ours and we are not monetizing it. The building of things strategy comes with everything we do. It's not like we charge extra for it, but it's a core pillar of our offering. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks. So we're Thanks about for security, mobility, privacy. Thanks for the clarification. And any of the internet circuits we buy for clients, they're direct internet access. So they are net neutral. They're not consumer grade, who knows what you're going to get right down to the, what happens when your data leaves the premise, it's still completely private. I can't, we can't protect you for, from your employee clicking the Nigerian guy that wants to share his $10 million. I can't stop the click, but we can certainly stop everything else. I make a joke still, about him all the time. I still get emails from him. I, have got, I got one this week, man. <laughs> so funny. No, I enjoy the question, but the building of things, prop tech is a strategy. Like we're trying to get the commercial real estate owner to realize that's their asset and you want to generate more money from it and benefit your tenants. It's your asset. Do it. But it's easy to just keep it running the way it is. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we encountered when dealing with some enterprises in the in-building systems, and maybe you have a lot more insight on this, is, you know, the buildings are owned by owners that to your point earlier, just don't move that quickly. Hey, this making this amount of money. So do you guys have a great strategy going to those boards who own that property and saying over the next few years, we can do this. Cause we ran into that and deployment of it. We're like, well, we really didn't have the budget in this year. Maybe we can put the money in to next year. Is that still an issue in this space or. It's absolutely an issue. And I, we made a decision three years ago not to call on the REITs because they are exactly what you just described. Okay. We are maintaining contact with them. They're on our marketing lists, but to engage in a sales process with them is a year and a half to get a maybe. So our clients are typically operating portfolios from a quantity of maybe 10 to 200. And above that, they're not willing to change or they're an ownership group that has operators that own and they let the operators make their own decision. So our clients are typically either family office or independent owners that have built. No, I talked about rolling up properties that have built a portfolio and they know their properties. You can talk to the decision maker that actually knows the property. It's not asset ABC one, two, three. It's, oh yeah, that building down there on Larimer. I know that one. So we, we call on mid-market properties intentionally. So I think eventually, sure, they'll, they'll be on board. And the REITs are starting to know more and more about us because as these builders or these operators trade buildings, they're typically selling them to the REITs. Like we're involved in apartment and office buildings all the time. 300,000 square foot buildings, they build them, they lease them up, and then they sell them. And they get the cap rate bump. You know, They spent $60 million to build it. They sell it for 90 because it's cash flowing and operational. In an apartment space, every dollar you earn makes the building worth $20 to 18 to 22 dollars more depending on where you are and what the cap rate is wow so if we can show up and put three to four hundred dollars a year per door on the bottom line you can think about how much more money that earns the client in the office space it's the same math it's just done per square foot instead of per door yeah so that math you just shared with us that's that's part of the answer to your question right right wayne i mean that's that's part of the story and 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 as you said some of the old 
some of the old guard in this industry just they're kind of it sounds like if it ain't broke don't fix it versus opportunistic for for bigger opportunities the bigger ones got hit hard last year because of the rent abatement that was allowed and they could not they could not take their tenants out that weren't paying they had to eat it so they are not investing most of them in much right now other than to get the buildings leased back up with paying tenants not just tenants last year they had tenants but particularly the ones on the West coast, not, not a lot of them paid because they didn't have to. Yeah. So there's going to be a recovery period. And I think a lot of the, the lower end, maybe the non-public companies are going to gain some ground on the REITs because of that. It has nothing to do with the REITs execution. It has to do with being so big, the government could drive your business. Perfect. Hey, so thanks for joining us and introducing us to the cool solutions that, you know, that OptiWise is working on. How can listeners connect with you or OpticWise? Uh, it's OpticWise.com, O-P-T-I-C-W-I-S-E. And our clients are typically commercial real estate holders, and we help them monetize their technology assets. So they get positioning in the marketplace, control of data and systems, and enhanced income. Cool. That's the core of what we do. Nice. Nice. Well, thank yeah, thanks, thanks as well, Bill. I, I really appreciate it. And, and you know, if, if anyone out there listening – has specific questions or comments about this episode, you know, hit us up, go to 5gguys.com. You can comment, ask your questions. We definitely engage with our listeners. We will either answer you directly or, or possibly have a follow-up episode with Will or Bill or, an, or another episode where we'll hit those, those, those uh, questions. So thanks again for listening. Everybody, again, go to 5gguys.com. Subscribe if you haven't already subscribed and we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Be well. Thanks for listening to the 5G Guys. For more resources and to connect with Dan and Wayne, check out their website at 5gguys.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. 